You ever served in an infantry unit, son? No, sir. Ever served in a forward area? No, sir. Ever put your life in another man's hands? Asked him to put his life in yours? No, sir. We follow orders, son. We follow orders or people die. It's that simple. Are we clear? Yes, sir. Are we clear? Crystal. Colonel, I have just one more question before I call Airman O'Malley and Airman Rodriguez. If you gave an order that Santiago wasn't to be touched, and your orders are always followed, then why would Santiago be in danger? Why would it be necessary to transfer him off the base? Santiago was a substandard Marine. He was being transferred... That's not what you said. You said he was being transferred because he was in grave danger. That's correct. You said he was in danger. I said grave danger. You said, is there I any recall other... what I, I said. I can have the court reporter read back to you. I know what I said. I don't have to have it read back to me like I'm... Why the two orders? Colonel? Sometimes men take matters into their own hands. No, sir. You made it clear just a moment ago that your men never take matters in their own hands. Your men follow orders or people die. So Santiago shouldn't have been in any danger at all, should he have, Colonel? You snotty little bastard. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Open up with that clip. my fa- One of my favorite courtroom scenes of any movie from A Few Good Men. And uh, as we as we were watching all this legal stuff go on and, uh, on TV with, uh, you know, D- Donald Trump and, uh, you know, the, the, legal, the legal battles against Republicans, specifically Donald Trump. Uh, of course, we don't have any legal battles against Democrats. We have legal battles against against uh, people that are uh, that are stopping stopping crimes, but we don't have people that are committing crimes uh, referring to the guy on the on the subway uh, that uh, put that guy in a chokehold that when he was threatening to kill people on the on the subway and that uh, that uh, marine put him in a chokehold and the guy ended up dying. he's he's indicted on murder charges even though the other guy was threatening to kill, several people on the subway and uh said he's he's ready to spend life in life in prison and he's gonna kill somebody uh you know what the when we see all these legal proceedings i think of a good courtroom scene and a few good men's my favorite uh you know i loved how uh how uh lieutenant caffey tom cruise 
backs uh, backs uh, Jack Nicholson into a into a corner and makes him and makes him contradict himself. And uh, but it's it's just artwork to see see good good law work. And of course, everything that we're seeing on uh, in our country today, the federal government doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. Hey, you know what? We gotta. Everybody has to follow the same laws, except if you're a Democrat, you don't. So uh, we see all that stuff. That song was Hell in Wheels, not Hell on Wheels, but Hell in Wheels from uh, Paul McCartney from uh, I think it was the Band on the Run album, but uh, way way back in the '70s. And I play that because Sir Paul McCartney's is is uh, using uh, Father's Day this week. Uh, Sunday, Sunday is his 81st birthday. And you know what? Uh, his 81st birthday, he's the same age as Joe Biden. What do you know about that? But, but Paul McCartney still has his brain working and he's still, uh, and he's still able to get on stage. If you have never seen Paul McCartney on in, uh, in concert, if you have a chance, I'm not sure, you know, the last time we saw him, I told Don, we may not have another chance to see him. And, you know, we'd seen him, a you know, two or three years in a row. And I said, Hey, we may not have another chance to see him because he's getting up there and who knows how long he's going to be able to keep doing this. But last time we saw him was a couple years ago and, uh, he's awesome. He's still there. Still got, still got his voice, still got his stamina. I'm sure he's not like he was in the seventies, but, or the sixties, but, um, clearly he's rocking and, uh, Hey, Sir Paul McCartney, happy birthday. We love you. So uh, I tried to use a a Beatle uh, a Beatles song, one of my favorite Beatles songs, but we weren't allowed to use that one because of the the rights on it. But uh, so anyway, so I'm going to talk about the legal battles going on and the contradict contradiction of common sense in this country. But before I do, let me introduce myself. For those who don't know me, my name is Ed Hoffman with United United American Mortgage Corporation. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone because talking on the phone is so personal. I get to hear the the tone of voice, and I get to hear your uh, your hesitation, and I get to you know hear how you, how uh, how how confident you are. Uh, so you don't want to talk on the phone just yet. Go to edhoffman.net, e d h o f f m a n dot net, and click on the United American Mortgage logo. That'll take you to my lending page. You can put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back, and you'll hear back from either myself or one of my talented teammates will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Uh, if you have, uh, if you uh, if you want to hear any part of the show repeated, or you missed part of it, or you missed the whole thing, you can always get the podcast on edhoffman.net. Stay on there and uh, click on the podcast page. You can hear this show as well as several past shows, and you can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, Apple Podcasts, you know, depending on how long you've been an Apple person. Um, and you can just uh, uh, go on there and search Ed Hoffman, the main event, 
and you can subscribe for free and have it download automatically to your uh, your phone or your computer or your whatever you uh, use to listen to podcasts. Automatically, I record on Friday mornings, and it uploads Friday afternoon, and it'll download to your device shortly thereafter, and you can listen to it on demand. If you have comments on the pay- on uh, on the show, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. Um, I will tell you that uh, I read all those emails, and for those of you that... Uh, uh, for the lady that caught that sent in the uh, the email about Chris Christie, I'm gonna you know uh, she she emailed me and said uh, you know she just really likes Chris Christie and uh, you know she's she knows he's fat but he's got a uh, but he's got energy and she really likes him and it's straightforward. I do too, but remember this is this election is not about Trump and it's not about Chris Christie. It's about United States of America and we need someone who has a proven record of what he what he'll do in the white house and and uh, will has the strength to turn it around turn it around fast and the one big thing that i think about um that i think about uh that people don't don't consider sometimes is every president in their second term has a lot more strength cuz they don't have to worry about getting reelected and I think we know that we know what Trump will do. We know what Trump did for this country. And I think what the Democrats have done installing the Biden administration, a bunch of incompetent, incompetent people just because they're diverse. Um, I think we need someone who's strong enough to turn it around quick. And you see what's going on in China where where uh, where our secretary of state's going over there and they're they're basically just blowing him off. You know what? Everybody's got an attitude of the, not a good attitude about America in other countries right now, and we need to turn that around. We need to turn it around fast. That's why I'm that's why I'm behind Trump all the way. Uh, when he drops out, okay, then I'll then I'll uh, then I'll change and I'll support whoever has the nomination. But right now, I think uh, everyone's a question mark except for Trump. And uh, and now we're going to talk about what's going on in the court with Trump. So let's talk about that right now. For the second time in four months, the former president and leading candidate for the Republican nomination for 2024 was indicted on criminal charges. This time, the allegations of mishandling classified documents from his time as president. As if it matters what it's for, they're just stacking up as many indictments as they can to uh, to, to to control the narrative on Donald Trump. Hey, you know what? He's being indicted for this, being indicted for that, being indicted for this. And you can't have someone who's got all these legal problems going on, even though the legal problems don't seem to be legal problems for anybody else who does the same thing. Donald Trump was indicted on 37 separate counts and seven federal charges. And we're going to go through each one. I know you're excited. What are the charges? Let's start with 31 counts of willful retention of national defense information under the Espionage Act of 1917. Trump is charged with violating a part of the Espionage Act that bars the willful retention of national defense information by someone not authorized to have it. So he was authorized to have it when he got it. And uh, and once he's got it, he knows about it. And who's to say who he's talking to anyway? And that doesn't go for Trump. That goes for Trump and Obama and Bush and Clinton and everybody else who's uh, who's uh, uh who's in uh, inhabited the the White House. Technically, the information does not have to be classified, but typically this law is used in cases involving classified materials. In Trump's case, prosecutors say that all but one of the 31 documents he's charged with illegally retaining were marked as classified at the secret or top secret level. 
The one document that was unmarked, according to the indictment, concerned military contingency planning, which, of course, that's not that secret, so they didn't have to, they didn't have to uh, mark it classified. Here's what the indictment states. The classified documents Trump stored in his boxes included information regarding defense, we- defense and weapons capabilities of both the United States and foreign countries, United States nuclear programs, potential vulnerabilities of the United States and its allies to military attack, and plans for possible retaliation in response to a foreign attack. The unauthorized disclosure of these classified documents could put at risk the national security of the United States. Foreign, foreign relations the safety of the United States military and human sources, and the continued viability of sensitive intelligence collection methods. Of course, we don't know, you know, he had, he has all this information. He knows it because he's, he's read it and he's has those, uh, those, uh, those classified, uh, updates every day. Uh, and we, and the fact that he knows it, he could disclose this information to anybody that he talks to. And, of course, we don't know who Obama talks to. We don't know who Clinton talks to or Bush talks to. So, you know, this is this is the fact that he has the documents doesn't mean it puts anybody at risk. Um, and, of course, and of course, wasn't Hillary Clinton transmitting classified, classified documents on an unsecured server when she was in there? And, of course, uh, James Comey, uh, the head of the FBI, Looked at them, looked at all these documents and all this illegal transmission, having a having an illegal server so that she could keep things to herself. And he said, my conclusion was and remains no reasonable prosecutor would bring this case. No, no reasonable prosecutor would bring this case on Hillary because she's a Democrat. And of course, we know the special counsel, Jack Smith, what he said. We have one set of laws in this country and they apply to everyone. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll see. According to the Washington Post, uh, special counsel Jack Smith's case for the charges, this is what, what they are. And he says, Trump received requests from the National Archives and subpoenas from the Justice Department, indicating that the documents in question were classified and needed to be returned to the U.S. government. Prosecutors say instead he sought to hide them from federal investigators. And while the president can declassify most information, there is a process for doing so. According to the indictment, Trump twice showed the classified information to others while saying that the document was still classified and lamenting that he no longer had the power to declassify it. Of course, we don't know when he said when they said he showed it to them. He doesn't mean that he he slid it across the table and say, read this. Um, He could have said, hey, look at this. I have this document and it's still classified and I don't have the and I don't have the power to declassify it anymore. And he could have just waved it in front of him just being a guy. Here's how the indictment describes the incident in question. In July 2021 at Trump National Golf Club in Bedminster, the New Jersey Bedminster Club, during the audio recording, during an audio recorded meeting with a writer, a publisher, and two members of his staff, none of whom possessed a security clearance, Trump showed and described a plan of attack that Trump said was prepared for him by the Department of Defense and a senior military official. Trump told the individuals that the plan was highly confidential and secret. Trump also said, as president, I could have declassified it, and now I can't. You know, this is still secret. That writer and publisher were reportedly speaking to Trump while working on a book for Trump's former chief of staff, Mark Meadows. 
Page 15 of the indictment outlines the conversation. Too long to read here, but that's where you can find it. But it's basically saying, hey, I've got this, you know, uh, and he's and Trump's looking at it. He goes, oh, wait, hey, wait a minute. No, this this part right here really, really wins my case. So I've heard people on uh, on Fox say, I don't remember exactly who it was, but it was on uh, Neil Cavuto's show. And they say, well, hey, he could have been saving them as souvenirs or he could have been keeping them as as uh, to de- defend himself in the case that something came up and he'd have the he'd have access to those. Imagine that. Keep that keep that idea in your mind because we're going to talk talk. Uh, we're going to find another incident of that. In this conversation, Trump showed the ghostwriter, the publisher and two of his own staffers, a classified document where he and an unnamed senior military official discussed the idea of attacking a foreign country. The indictment calls it Country A. Reportedly, that country was Iran. Trump's former Attorney General Bill Barr sounded off on this and other aspects of the indictment on Fox News Sunday. And so I was shocked by the degree of sensitivity of these documents and how many there were, frankly. And I think the counts under the Espionage Act uh, that he willfully retained those documents are solid counts. It's a very detailed indictment, uh, and it's very, very damning. Yes, he's been a victim in the past. Yes, his uh, adversaries have obsessively pursued him with phony claims. And I've, and I've been at his side defending against them when he is a victim. But this is much different. He's not a victim here. I mean, so those documents are among the most sensitive secrets that the country has. He, they have to be in the custody of the archivist. He had no right to maintain them and ret- retain them. And he kept them uh, in a way uh, at Mar-a-Lago that anyone who really cares about national security, would, their stomach would churn at it. So you see this as different and separate from what he would term the Russian hoax, um, what we saw from the Durham report. You see these as two totally separate tracks. Yes. They're the government's documents. They're official records. They're not his personal records. Battle plans for an attack on another country or, or, or Defense Department documents about our capabilities are in no universe Donald J. Trump's personal documents. And once again, I ask, what's the difference between having the document and having that and having that knowledge and discussing it with someone, which every president does. And they leave the White House. They leave the White House when they leave the White House, whether uh, elected, whether the election uh, pushes them out or whether they term out with all that information. So what's the difference between having it and discussing it versus having the document? So now let's move on to the non-espionage charges. This is where we see how special counsel is just piling up different charges for the same alleged crime in order to hit Trump with as many charges as possible. So let's start with one count of conspiracy to obstruct justice. This charges Trump with conspiring with his longtime aide, Walt Nada, who is the White House valet slash butler, who faces six charges himself, to hide classified material from federal investigators lie to the FBI about what was found at Mar-a-Lago, and move boxes of documents out of a storage room before FBI agents searched his home. The indictment outlines text between people called Trump Employee 1 and Trump Employee 2 about how and where they were moving boxes per Trump's wishes. Then there were three counts of a very similar charge, three counts of withholding or concealing documents in a federal investigation. Hmm. Well, that one says one count for hiding the documents from the FBI and two counts for tampering with the grand jury evidence. 
Sounds kind of similar to me. The indictment says Trump tried to persuade one of his attorneys to help conceal documents while Nada hid the evidence by moving the boxes. The indictment describes this as starting in May of last year when the grand jury subpoenaed all classified documents. It describes how the documents were handled by Nada and two of two of Trump's lawyers, attorney one and attorney two, at Trump's instruction. And I'm reading from the indictment now. On May 22nd, 2022, Nada entered the storage room at 3.47 p.m. and left approximately 34 minutes later carrying one of Trump's boxes. Don't know how they know those exact times. On May 23rd, 2022, Trump met with Trump attorney one and Trump attorney two at the Mar-a-Lago club to discuss the response to the May 11th subpoena. Trump attorney one and Trump attorney two told Trump that they needed to search for the documents that would be responsive to the subpoena and provide certification that there had been compliance with the subpoena. Trump, in sum and substance, made the following statements, among others, as memorialized by Trump attorney one. Uh, So these are uh, statements from Donald Trump to his attorneys. A, I don't want anybody looking. I don't want anybody looking through my boxes. I really don't. I don't want you looking through my boxes. B, well, what if, what happens if we just don't respond at all or don't play ball with them? C, wouldn't it be better if we just told them we don't have anything here? D, well, look, isn't it better if there are no documents? So sounds like candid conversation with your attorney, which happens between clients and attorneys. You know, attorneys are your legal are your legal uh, advisors. Hey, you know, what happens if we do this? What happens if we do that? You know, what are the what are my what are my rights? What is what is, you know, where are we at? That's candid conversation with your attorney and it seems like it would be uh under attorney client privilege. We'll talk about that in a second. It goes on to describe how Trump said he thought Hillary's lawyer did a good job of deleting her 30,000 emails on her behalf to protect her which I guess is supposed to mean Trump is asking his attorney to protect him by hiding documents. And of course, we don't know if he said, hey, you know, Trump's lawyers or uh, Hillary's lawyers did a great job by by deleting these things. Or if he said, hey, you know, Hillary's attorneys did a great job by deleting all those. And maybe he was being sarcastic. Of course, we don't know that. But that's what in writing it says. It's been reported by that attorney one was the special counsel source for this conversation. His name is Evan Corcoran. How did they manage to bypass attorney client privilege? That's what I ask. From the New York Times, earlier this year, special counsel Jack Smith obtained Evan Corcoran's notes through an invocation of the crime fraud exception that allows prosecutors to work around the normal protections of attorney client privilege if they have a reason to believe a client used used legal advice to further a crime. Well, that's pretty broad. And uh, these statements I just read, do they sound like he's trying to further a crime or he's asking his attorney, what if, what if, what if? I think it's complete BS that they're able to uh, disclose this attorney-client privilege uh, conversation. The indictment then describes how the two attorneys put the boxes in storage at Mar-a-Lago. Then there were some phone calls between Trump and attorney one, Corcoran, discussing it over the next week. Here's former Congressman Jason Chaffetz, who knows how classified documents work and saw how Hillary Clinton handled hers. Spoiler, she didn't handle it any better than Trump did. 
It begs the question, why didn't the president just give the documents back? But at the same time, I'm telling you, the comparisons to Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden are just dramatic. It was not an equal application of justice. I was the chairman of the Oversight Committee. I issued subpoenas, preservation letters. And you know what? Hillary Clinton set up her home computer to bypass the Federal Records Act on the very same day, the very same day that she started her Senate confirmation hearing untold number of people without security clearances had access to those documents. Some were so classified, even I as the chairman couldn't go back and read them because they were that sensitive. Hmm, that's interesting. But remember the immortal words of Jack Smith. We have one set of laws in this country and they apply to everyone. Hmm, it doesn't appear to be that, that doesn't appear to be the case because Hillary Clinton just deleted hers and said she didn't have them, and uh, used some chemical called bleach bit to destroy her hard drive, so they couldn't they couldn't extract them. And then instructed her staff to actually uh, take a hammer and smash their blackberries because, of course, they're transmitting on their server through their blackberries emails, and they could extract it from there. So they s- smashed them with hammers. And uh, you know, apparently the it's not equally uh, equally. Uh, uh, enforced laws to everybody, only to Republicans. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of time for part one of the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes traffic, weather, commercials, and sports, and I'll be right back with lots more. When you were young and your heart was an open book, you used to say. ever-changing world in which we live in makes you give in and cry Say live and let die And welcome back to part two of the main event My name's Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. I don't talk a lot about real estate and financing on the radio, but I could talk about real estate and financing for hours upon hours upon hours. In fact, uh, uh, six days and 23 hours a week, I do that. Except for when I'm sleeping, then Don makes me shut up. Stop Stop talking about mortgages. We're trying to sleep. So uh, anyway, but if you want to if you want to talk about mortgages, give me a call at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Uh, or go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo and we'll do the cyber thing. Uh, so before the break, before the break, uh, we were talking about the uh, the indictment on Trump and we're going through the uh, through the six of the six of the 37 counts. Uh, the other 31 counts are just each document. Um, so uh, we talked about that, and we talked about how uh, how Jack Smith always says, We have one set of laws in this country, and they apply to everyone. Just so long as you're not a Democrat. So, uh, so back to the charges. One count of concealing evidence in a federal investigation. Hmm. Remember before we talked about, uh, we talked about, uh, one count of conspiracy to obstruct justice and three counts of withholding or concealing documents. But now we're talking about concealing evidence in a federal investigation. I think these are all different ways of saying the same thing. For the same alleged conduct of hiding the classified information at Mar-a-Lago, Trump and Nada separately face one count of concealing evidence with the intent to obstruct 
an FBI investigation. See what they did here? Repeat the same crime under a different charge over and over again. One count of delivering false statements. Both Trump and Nada face one count of scheming to making false statements for allegedly hiding from the FBI and the grand jury that Trump still had classified documents in his possession. There's a mouthful. Trump faces a separate count for causing his attorney to falsely claim that all classified documents had been handed over in response to the subpoena. Well, he made the... He's causing his attorney, but he didn't cause his attorney to say that. He just talked about, what if we said that? This is why you see some reports saying 37 counts and others saying 38. So those are the charges. So now what? According to the Washington Post, the maximum punishment for each count of unlawful retention of national defense information is a 10-year prison sentence. Uh, maybe, maybe, Maybe he should have just deleted them like Hillary Clinton did. Or I guess uh, in Trump's case, because they're not they're not emails, he would have to shred them. Uh, maybe he should have just done that and say, "Hey, I don't have any." And uh, before they came into search, conspiracy to obstruct justice, tampering with the grand jury evidence, and con- and concealing evidence in a federal investigation all carry punishment of up to 20 years. Each false statement charge is punishable by up to five years in prison. If Trump was convicted on all the charges, the sentences could run consecutively, amounting to hundreds of years in prison. But federal defendants are rarely given the maximum possible punishment, and he doesn't face any mandatory minimum sentences. Uh, and of course, we have to remember that the, what the immortal uh, words of Jack Smith, the special counsel. We have one set of laws in this country, and they apply to everyone. And let's not forget that Joe Biden is under investigation for the exact same thing, and we have not yet heard anything on that. After his arraignment on Tuesday, Trump held a campaign rally at at his club in Bedminster, New Jersey, where he commented on the charges and how it compares to what we now know about Joe Biden's handling classified documents before he was president. Charging a former president of the United States under the Espionage Act of... 1917, threatening me with 400 years in prison. As president, the law that applies to this case is not the Espionage Act, but very simply the Presidential Records Act, which is not even mentioned in this ridiculous 44-page indictment. Joe Biden had troves of classified documents from his time as vice president and even as a senator. Took him as a senator out of a skiff. Biden sent 1,850 boxes to the University of Delaware, making the search very, very difficult for anybody. And he refuses to give them up, and he refuses to let people even look at them. And then they say how he's behaving so nicely. Many of Biden's classified documents were in Chinatown, D.C., Chinatown, which is shocking considering his family received so much money from China. I wonder how many times the friends of ours from China review those documents. Chinatown, D.C. Others were unsecured at his so-called Penn Biden Center in Washington, which paid Biden approximately $1 million a year. The money supposedly coming from China and still other classified documents were strewn all over his garage floor where his now famous Corvette is stored. He's so proud of that car. There was no security and the door was left open. Most of the time, it was open. All of those classified documents, all of those documents strewn all over the floor, piled up like junk. 
Yeah, and I realize, and I realize that you know some of the statements that everybody's making. Uh, they're talking about look at how the how the boxes of uh, of records were. They show a picture of boxes sitting on a on a shelf somewhere, and and say, well, he just had them sitting there. We don't know what those boxes were, and we just like we don't know. Uh, when they show the picture of uh, Biden backing into his uh, backing his Corvette into the garage, and we see boxes of documents, we don't know if those were the boxes, and that's where they were, where they were uh, stored. But you know, just understand what the what the media is sending, and I and I know from talking to my to my uh, to my idiot sister Demo- De- Democrat sister in Pennsylvania that they listen. She listens to CNN and PMS, NBC. And doesn't listen to anything else and doesn't listen to any reason. And that's where half the country is. It's amazing to me that that people are so naive and they and they because I I flip on CNN sometimes and I flip on PMS, NBC and I listen to both sides. And and it's amazing to me how the how the how the different people present it different, but I take, I take in a little CNN. I take in a lot of Fox and Newsmax and I look at all the stuff on the internet and I, and I, and I consider it for myself. And I say, Hey, I consider my own life experience and say, what makes sense to me? What does my logically thinking brain, uh, divides from all these different inputs? And what is it? What does it uh, say to me? Amazing to think what we, you know, with the Biden thing, what we know it's going on. We don't know anything that's going on with that investigation on the Biden documents. Saying the same thing where he had many more documents, and they came from uh, from Biden when he was vice president. Didn't have any authority to declassify, and even when he was a senator, which meant he which meant he stole them from the skiff sticking them in his pants or his socks. And we don't know anything about that investigation, even though they found them shortly after they found the found the documents with Trump. And of course, uh, I've talked about the, the Hillary Clay case, but let's talk about someone else in the Clinton family. So we keep hearing that uh, Trump case doesn't compare to the Clinton sock drawer case from 2010. That was the U.S. District Court ruling that when Bill Clinton kept interview tapes with a presidential historian in his sock drawer, they did not need to be handed over to the normal to the National Archives, and uh, and of course we know that that the uh, the the tapes from uh, the interviews were seventy nine meetings from uh, throughout his eight years as president, and uh, and where he talked about uh, conversations with senators and congressmen regarding bills. Uh, that that concerned military action in Somalia and Bosnia and uh, military action in Haiti, and uh, you know, uh, and and I know from experience when you're writing books, you have a lot of candid conversations with the people that are actually putting your book together about things, and not all of it goes in your book. We talk about it, and then uh, your ghostwriter says, eh, "I don't think we should probably put that in the book. That's your opinion, and I don't think it's prudent." To put that in the book, and uh, so those tapes probably have a lot more information than actually went into his book. And they say it's, and they say this is different from the 2003 when the Clinton's national security advisor Sandy Berger snuck somewhere between 40 and 50 top secret documents out of the National Archives, possibly in his socks. Berger ended up getting disbarred and was forced to step down as John Kerry's foreign policy advisor in 2005. But legally, he was only slapped with a misdemeanor and paid a, paid a fine. The subject of those documents, how the Clinton administration could have worked harder to prevent 
Hmm. The most damning information in the documents was handwritten by Sandy Berger himself on the question as to whether the U.S. should capture Osama bin Laden or strike al-Qaeda. Berger jotted in the margins one word, no. And, uh, of course, if you wrote something like that down into the something that's in the federal archives and later found out that that opinion was a huge mistake and got 3,000 people killed and, uh, you know, and four planes of four four planes uh, crashed into the Twin Towers and to uh, the, a field in, uh, in Pennsylvania and to the Pentagon. And, of course, if they pulled out the old records and found out that, that Sandy Berger said, no, don't capture Osama bin Laden and don't attack al-Qaeda, and that would be pretty damning. You'd probably want to go into uh, the National Archives and steal those out to destroy them. Trump mentioned both those cases in his rally on Tuesday. The crucial legal precedent is laid out in the most important case ever on this subject, known as the Clinton Socks case. <laughs> After leaving the White House, Bill Clinton kept 79 audio tapes in his sock drawer. They included discussions of U.S. military involvement in Haiti, discussions of U.S. foreign policy, both defense and offense, against Cuba. Recordings of President Clinton's conversations with all of the many foreign leaders at the time. Think of that. Sensitive facts about trade negotiations taken from presidential briefings. Discussions with the Secretary of State about conflict in Bosnia and much, much more. Very big stuff. Not only was Bill Clinton never even considered for criminal prosecution based on the tapes he took, but when he was sued for them, he won the case. The case of Bill Clinton's national security advisor. Remember that? Sandy Berger. He was caught stealing classified documents from the National Archives. Very big ones, very important ones, by stuffing them in his pants. That's pretty. <laughs> and putting them also in his socks. And he destroyed them and cut the tape with scissors, cut them all up. What Berger did was highly illegal, but he was given no jail time, nothing, nothing happened. Yeah, that seems like uh, more serious, more serious uh, allegations. And those tapes had a lot more information that I would think would be considered classified on them. And, uh, of course, they didn't think that they needed to uh, file federal charges against uh, Bill Clinton. Of course, he's a Democrat. And we all know what Jack Smith says about that. We have one set of laws in this country, and they apply to everyone. Except Democrats. All right, so uh, so let's go on. Let's go on to uh, what we talked about last week, Biden's bribe. So uh, so we went over this last week. Democrats love distracting the country with Trump's indictment, but Joe Biden's $5 million bribe uh, is not over, and it's not $5 million. So we learned since last Friday when I recorded my show uh, that the $5 million was not $5 million. It was $5 million apiece, $5 million for Joe and $5 million for Hunter. So let's spell this out. This is for everyone who's cheering up, cheering on Trump's indictment while ignoring the evidence that Biden is a thug who plays with our tax dollars as leverage to other countries and uses his power to enrich his family. And let me let me uh, highlight: he plays with our tax dollars. He uses our tax dollars. All that money that comes out of your checks. Or that big check that you have to write every April or every October when you file your taxes 
to the federal government. He takes that money and uses it to uh, to extort money out of so he extorts the money out of the other countries and says, "Here, I'm going to give you some money, and then you just send a bunch of it back to me." And the money he's given them is not his; it's ours. The vice president, who is now president was paid $10 million by a foreign businessman to make policy decisions like getting Congress to approve $50 million in aid that would benefit one specific company in Ukrainian energy industry. Say it with me, Burisma. So let's see. So he gives them $50 million of our money, and then they give 20% of it back to him and Hunter, just right off the top. So, you know what, if, if, if the government's going to give out 20% rebates on our tax dollars, I'd just assume they give them back to the people that paid them. So wouldn't you like that if you said, hey, you know, my tax bill says uh, they took uh, $50,000 out, out of my paycheck over the year, and then I have to write another check for $10,000, so that's $60,000. Wouldn't it be great if they gave 12000 of it back to you? Because it is your money. Wouldn't that be great? No. Instead, they take the 20% of it and give it back to Joe and Hunter. His son, who had no discernible experience in Ukraine or energy experience, was placed on the board of that company and made another $1 million per year for five years doing absolutely nothing. Hmm. That's peculiar. There was a prosecutor in Ukraine who was investigating that company, and Joe Biden went to Ukraine to intimidate their government into into firing the prosecutor, Viktor Shokin. Biden threatened to take away $1 billion in loan guarantees from the U.S. if they didn't fire the prosecutor who was investigating the company employing his son. We've all heard it. Well, hey, you know what? If, if he's not fired, fired, I leave here in six hours. If he's not fired, you're not getting the billion dollars. Well, you don't have authority to do that. Hey, call, call the president. Find out. And he goes, well, son of a bee. He got fired. And now we have a recording of Biden confirming this in his own words to Ukraine's then-president, Petro Poroshenko. This took place on February 18th, 2016, and of course, it was leaked in 2020. But we didn't hear about it because we were too, uh, we were too busy hearing about COVID and, uh, you know, distracted by other things that the Democrats always do when it's time, when it's time to, to uh, keep the eyes off of the Democrats. Here's Joe Biden talking to Petro Poroshenko. Hey, Mr. President, Joe Biden, how are you? Very well indeed. As usual, when I hear your voice. Thank you. Well, you are doing very well. Congratulations on uh, on getting the new prosecutor general. It's going to be critical uh, for him to work quickly to repair the damage Chokin did. And I'm a man of my word. I um, and that now that the new prosecutor general is in place, we're ready to move forward in signing that new one billion dollar loan guarantee. Yeah, he's a man of his word. But he's not a man of his own money. He's not making commitments with his own money. He's not commit making commitments with his own assets. He's making commitment with our money. So isn't that great? You know, it's it's easy. It's people are really generous when they're when they're spending somebody else's money. Remember when we used to say, "Hey, you know, when we were talking about Trump being elected in 2016, you know what? Hey, Trump's the only one running who's ever signed his name on the front of a check." 
instead of just fi- signing his name on the back of a check. You know, he has to protect his protect his money for his company, and he spends it like he's protecting it. And when he went into office, he did the same thing with our tax dollars. He protected them from being uh, being uh, extorted by contractors and everybody else. Said, hey, you know, why are we spending this money on this? And he treated it like it was his own money. You know, we had a businessman in the White House, and uh, now we have uh, we have a, pol- pol- a politician like we always have, who've never actually run a company, never actually run anything, and they've never signed their their name on the front of a check. And here's Joe Biden making commitments and being a man of his word with our money. Wouldn't you like to have some of that some of that money back in your pocket that you worked hard for? And this week, Chuck Grassley stated that the form FD-1023 we aren't allowed to see because FBI Director Christopher Wray says we can't because he's protecting Joe Biden, includes information that the foreign national who offered the bribe, believed to be a Burisma executive, has 15 audio recordings of him and Hunter talking and two of him talking to Joe Biden. Grassley made the claim on the Senate floor. The foreign national who allegedly bribed Joe and Hunter Biden allegedly has audio recordings of his conversation with them. 17 such recordings. These recordings were allegedly kept as a sort of insurance policy for the foreign national in case that he got into a tight spot. Yeah, can you imagine people keeping evidence to protect themselves in case they get into a tight spot, in case they're accused of committing a crime? Can you imagine if uh, somebody getting accused of, of colluding with, with a foreign country to uh, for whatever reason? Imagine someone keeping evidence to uh, protect themselves from that. Hmm. Just... You know, this is what these are the things that my logically thinking brain does. They they take into account the things I have heard of, the things I hear, the the stuff that was news last year and the year before and uh, and two or three presidents before. And when it comes up again and they start acting like this is some new thing that's never never happened before, I start thinking about wait. What what was the date when Comey made those claims that no no legitimate prosecutor would would file charges against Hillary? Well, let's see. I was in Pennsylvania and uh, for my niece's wedding, and it was uh, right before Fourth of July. So I'd say it was July second or July third of 2016, right before you know a few months before the election in 2016. You know, I start putting those memories together, and I start coming up with these. With these uh, logical, these logical and and uh, you know, clear thinking comparisons, and I just say, you know, can you imagine somebody doing that? Can you imagine? Can you imagine if uh, if uh, what Jack Smith would say to this? We have one set of laws in this country, and they apply to everyone. Yep, I just don't think that's. I just don't think. I think those are just. I think those are just sound bites. They're not real. I think that's not really happening. That. We have one set of laws, and they apply to everybody. So let's talk about let's talk about uh, the campaign now. Six weeks after his campaign announcement, the polls continue to show that almost half of Democrats don't want Joe Biden to seek re-election. Hmm, that's peculiar. You know, when you see, when you see all the polls, who are the who are the who are the the thirty or forty percent that want him to? I heard somebody say this morning. Uh, that, you know, hey, Joe Biden's going to get the nomination. He's going to be reelected because he's doing a great job. What planet are you on? 
I just hear that and I just go, I think to myself, what are you looking at that makes you think that he's that he's doing such a great job? He's not even there. The latest, the latest one, the latest uh, uh, poll is from Monmouth, which shows that 44% of Democrat voters would prefer he did not run for the party's nomination. Now some are wondering if California Governor Gavin Newsom is planning to come to Biden's rescue, or the Democrat Party's rescue, maybe. Eric Schickler, a political science professor at the University of California, Berkeley, told The Hill, my sense is that governor that the governor is trying to leave his options open. Well, that means that your opinion really is nothing. Uh, well, my sense is his he's keeping his options open. Of course he is. Of course he is until he tells you what his options are. But he added, I don't think there's any expectation that he would challenge Joe Biden for re-election and says most likely scenario for Newsom's candidacy is 2028. Of course, as I've predicted and I've said it at least two or three times on the air, I believe Biden's going to back out towards the end of this year or early 24. And uh, he's going to he's going to back out for health reasons. And the Democrats are going to be scrambling. And the hence you got Democrats besides Gavin Newsom that are positioning themselves from the outlet News Nation. Newsom making headlines, but analysts are skeptical on 2024 run. No Democrat has ever jumped from the California governor's mansion to the White House, but many believe Newsom would like to be the first. Really? And in recent weeks, Newsom has been on tour speaking in red states and now has made a call to toughen gun laws across the nation, which has led experts to question if he's just making headlines or if it's an unofficial start of a 2024 bid. Monday on The Five, Dana Perino, Dana Perino had some thoughts on this. I'm wondering at what point in my life I will stop being so naive. Oh, there might be a reason Gavin Newsom's going on. I thought, oh, my gosh, how did I miss that? Yes, of course, he's wanting to figure out a way because he's dealing with two con uh, contingencies. He either is planning for one of two things that Biden doesn't ultimately either get. He's going to get the nomination. But is, it, is he unable to serve? Is that the choice or does it look like the, the Democrats are doing so poorly? We're going to talk. We can talk about Kamala Harris later. Um, if they're doing so poorly, then that's another thing. So the White House, I think, has a big problem on their hands. Yeah, and when Newsom spoke to Hannity this week, he still played the game to appear as if he's firmly on Team Joe. Do you think he's cognitively strong enough to I, be president? I have conversations with him all the time, yes. And I'll tell you what. You do. I'm dead serious about that. I've, I've talked to him when he's been overseas. I've been in Air Force One, Marine One. I've been in the limo with him. I've spent time with him. Okay, but you never answered my question directly. How many times is your phone ping a day people saying you need to get in this race because they agree with me that he's not up to the job? Uh, I see where you're going with that. I'm job. asking. No, I, and I'm not answering. Under any circumstances, would you get in this no, primary? I think he's a man of decency and character. I'm really proud of the president, proud of what he's accomplished. Is he strong enough to be president? That's what I'm, strong I'm enough. Look about. what he just did to McCarthy. He ran circles. Look, look at the vote card. I didn't Kevin like just vote. Got, I wouldn't I mean, have voted for it. Exactly. Kevin got played by the president of the United States. Yeah, I don't disagree with him about uh, that McCarthy got played, but this guy is so smooth. Sounds like he's answering the questions while he's not. This guy is so smooth, he could get, he could get changed for an ice cube. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. So uh, thanks for listening. My name's Ed Hoffman, and I'll be back again with you next week.